Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Food Matrix on the 7th of September 2010. For the newcomers out there, I advise you to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. While it's still up, bookmark all the other sites I've got there because sometimes the com goes down and you'll find hundreds of audio talks you can download at your heart's content. And I try to show you the big picture behind what's bringing the world into this new world order. And they really mean a new world order. It's a completely different society that's been brought in in this the century of change, as they like to call it. So many names for the same thing, really, mainly coming from academia. But it shows you the planned society, how they plan a hundred years ahead or even more, and literally through the ability to create money out of nothing, guide the world through their think tanks and all their foundations along the proper path, as you like to call it, into the new society, the new man, the new creature, whatever it happens to be at the end. That's where they're, they're heading with it. And while you're at it, remember, too, I sell books at cuttingfreebeauties.com website. That keeps me tickling over. I don't... Um, bring in advertisers. The ads you hear on this show are paid directly by advertisers to RBN for the airtime and for the staff, equipment and bills. So it's up to you to help me with mine. If you like what you hear, you can donate or purchase the books. Uh, from the US to Canada, remember, you can purchase them or the discs and so on with a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office uh, you can use cash, somebody to send cash and that gets through. And you can also use PayPal to donate or to purchase. You want to purchase with PayPal, just send the, the donation and then a separate email with your name, address and order and I'll get it out to you. Across the world, same idea with the addition of Western Union, which is kind of steep, or MoneyGram, which isn't so bad, uh, or cash again, or PayPal for ordering or donating, it's up to yourself how you want to do it. But as I say, we're going into this new society. Most folk are oblivious as they are actually adapting to the changes so quickly themselves as their masters knew they would, because really we're all under incredible psychological control and scientific conditioning from a very, well actually from the time you're born, it was already perfected. And that was admitted to by guys like Bertrand Russell back in the 40s and 50s. So we're heading along a guided track. Uh, it's interesting, even Aldous Huxley mentioned that the most folk are unhappy, he said. And what's wrong, really, with uh, drugging them, using pharma and all of these things to make them happy, as he called it, happy. Not happy, but happy. And uh, he saw no, no problem with that at all. And there was a man who literally went to Tavistock to watch mental patients being put, uh, being guided with electrodes in their brain with wires attached in those days. 
And I've no doubt, too, they used remote control with them as well, like Delgado did. Delgado was quite the character. He stopped a bull charging with an implant in his brain. And he was up there at the big universities and with uh, the CIA. So we're living through a planned change, a century of change, where we're living in double-think as we go through the changes, complete double-think. Uh, to find the meaning of double think, go into Orwell's book, 1984, where he gives a very good in-depth description how people can hold two conflicting ideas, actually opposing ideas in their head at the same time, and believe that they're both true. On the one hand, you've been told we're in for a financial crash. We're going to go through awfully austere, austere times. On the other hand, they're telling you they're going to bring in this wonderful high-tech utopia. We are going to be happy. Back with more after these messages. Hi, folks. I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. It's big system into which you're born. It's Plato's cave, really, where anything can happen and anything can be taught because that's all you know is that particular cave and your masters are very carefully to keep you inside of it. And I was talking about Delgado there, Dr. Jose M.R. Delgado. He, he was the director of neuropsychiatry. Neuropsychiatry is very big um, and neuroscience is very big. The art of literally... Um, Controlling everyone uh, is, is what it's about, really. And uh, they're heavily into working with the Internet and um, and what's coming up for interfacing humans and human brains with the net. But he says, uh, he said this, this Mr. Delgado guy, again, he worked with the Pentagon, CIA, and so on. He says, we need a program of psychosurgery for political control of our society. The purpose is physical control of the mind. Physical control of the mind. That's your internet and everything. Everyone who deviates from the given norm can be surgically mutilated. The individual may think that the most important reality is his own existence, but this is only his personal point of view. Man does not have the right to develop his own mind. For the harder thinking, I'll repeat that last part. Man does not have the right to develop his own mind. We must electronically control the brain. Like he's talking about his own peer group. Someday armies and generals will be controlled by electronic stimulation of the brain. And he said that's in the U.S. congressional records from Dr. Jose M.R. Delgado, Director of New Psychiatry, uh, Yale University Medical School. And it's in, number tw- uh, it's in the record of the Congress, number 26, volume 118, February 2474. So... These characters are profuse. He's not a loner out there. And they have lots of academia on board to solve the eternal problems of humanity, something that Aldo Huxley went into too in his lectures at Berkeley and elsewhere. And you can find them up on YouTube. You've gone to my archives, you'll find them too in the audios. And he talks about how people are just not very happy and how they should use pharma and every other means to make them happy and make them more uh, manageable. 
that was what it was all about. And he looked forward to the day when they could find other techniques as well to where, in his own words, a small group of people could control billions of minds across the world. A small group, he said. High science. And it really is something, you know, when you think about it, because over the weekend I watched a couple of videos, and one of them was to do with, uh, oh, the mess in Britain, and especially Scotland and some areas, the completely dysfunctional families they have now, where all the work is gone, they've got second generation, third generation alcoholism, drug addicts, something that didn't used to exist there with all the drugs and so on. And what was interesting was to watch a father try to keep his family together as they were watching this, these massive TV shows. I call it massive televisions, um, massive screens. They watch them every night. The daughters are dressing like the people in music television uh, with almost nothing on, in other words, 14 and 15. And they want to, and they're hypersex. They want to get out and have sex right away. And, um, of course, it's been promoted at school through UNESCO and all the rest of it. But, and I've been told they can do as you please. That's another thing, too, that youngsters do. But, uh, his other two sons, one's going into jail and one's maybe going into jail shortly. Uh, but, but I couldn't believe how dysfunctional everyone was because they're trying to do normal things. At, at, at the wrong time. See, the time for doing the normal things of trying to do, like get mates, partner up, marry, and it's all over. That's over. That's the old century, you see. It's done. Because they can't stay with one mate. They can't get on with one person because they've been so promiscuous earlier on. Exactly as Huxley and Russell said uh, would happen. That's why they promoted that, you see. And Julian Huxley of UNESCO uh, said all of that in his own book, which I read on the air, a good portion of it, some a couple of years ago. You'll find again in the audio section in the archives at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. So you're looking at dysfunction and the dysfunctional society, trying to do the right things, which is still instinctive, but unable to keep going and make anything work. Plus, the economy's shot and there's no work anywhere. Uh, lots of drugs, but no work. Amazing, isn't it? The drugs flow in like crazy, and everyone has to obey. The cops are making a, a, a great time visiting homes all the time. The, the judicial departments flooded with people. And so, I'd say the plan is working awfully well. And you have to remember, too, that drugs... It isn't just, we always hear about pharma and how Huxley and others promoted the use of pharma, drugging society. You always think about the, the prescription pharma, but they also meant any kind of drugs, including the illegal ones. And that's happened. You see that they've got what they wanted to create dysfunction. And then when the people get into the really heavy drugs, they're into the prescription drugs as they try supposedly to get off it. And often the prescription ones are worse than the ones that were getting in the first place, especially methadone and stuff like that. So pharma is a big part of it. I've got an article too I saw today. I didn't bother really noting it, but it, it talked about the incredible use of uh, psychiatric drugs on children from the age of two onwards, two years old and onwards. Massive, I think half a million in the States are at the age between two and five are on these antipsychotic drugs, which shrink your brain and all the rest of it. 
So pharma is being used as part of the experiment, you see, to bring us all under control. And that's the whole key of this new world order. It's not about giving you nice... Another video I watched was this, this futuristic scenario of how this the, the future will be in 30 years, 40 years, with a brand new city somewhere in the U.S., all done, of course, in virtual reality. And uh, your cars would drive themselves. Everyone would be interconnected, interface the clothing, everything. And it'd be a sort of wonderful, happy place to be. And then this idiot that was uh, put out there, the scientist, to promote this stuff, uh, goes into the virtual world and he says how wonderful it will be and you can spend most of your life in the virtual world. And I thought to myself, isn't it amazing? These scientists truly believe in evolution, big time. You have to believe in it if you want to be a scientist and to get through university. Uh, even and I thought we've evolved all this way so that we can live in some programmer's cartoon. Oh boy, there there you go. We've been through millions of years supposedly of evolution, going up and up and up, so that at the end we can we can go and live in a cartoon. Wow, what an ambition, eh? Oh God! But and, and do people really think they're going to get this? How many people do you think they're going to build new cities for? What's the criteria for getting into them? What's the eugenics standard that they have with their their, their level um, grading system to let you through? With your good genes, bad genes, and all the rest of it. What do you th- no one thinks about that. And I've heard some real nutcases jump on this, like, like evangelists who truly think they're going to somehow get into all this and live forever in some happy, happy... Um, High-tech society. Why would your masters even keep you around if you're not producing? That's the only reason you've been kept around this long. Haven't you got the message? You think it's the first time they talked about culling off mass kills of the public if they didn't need them? No, it's not. They did it in the Middle Ages. The elite did it. Nobility. Sometimes the nobility would have mass culls of, of villagers and peasantry if they thought they were getting more too profuse. And there was no looming war on the horizon where they need them. This is old stuff. The ancient Greeks did the same thing. But so, yeah, you, want, you think their masters will just keep you around and give you all this high-tech stuff so you can be happy and amused uh, and live in a virtual never-never uh, region. Um, of complete unreality uh, and as I say live inside a cartoon because your master is just like you the guys at the top believe that they're the most uh, pragmatic people on the planet they don't talk with emotion they're psychopathic a person's only of use to them if they have a use for them if not gone by any means possible any and every means possible And, you know, people can't tell the difference anymore between reality and fiction. They spend so much time watching video games and and video movies and and television, they truly can't tell what's real anymore. An example of this happened at, um, I think it was um, was Calgary, I think, at the... Over the weekend there, it was a, a 12-year-old girl was raped inside a school playground by a, a gang of youths, 
probably about the same age as herself, a bit older, who all watched from the, from the, basically the, the, uh, the bleachers as they call them here, and photographed the whole thing on their little phones, just like television. You see, everything, everything they see now is like television. They watch so much porn by the time they're five and six and seven. It's encouraged in school, of course. And, uh, all they're, all they're watching is, is just another, another thing they've seen on television or whatever. And they, they stand there and pull out their phones. They don't go and help anybody. No, just pull your phones out and, and, uh, you know, uh, pass the time by video, videoing this because, um, you may wait and watch it later in a bored moment. That's how people are now. They've lost their empathy. People are being affected and rewired by what's happening around them. But it does say this, it says from the Calgary Herald, she was assaulted while the others watched and took photographs. One suspect arrested and eight have their phones confiscated. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about how dysfunctional society is today. And it is because it's been brought to that particular end by design from education through, again, the culture industry, entertainment industry is a big, big part of it. And uh, it's happening all at the right time as we go through these big transitions, as they like to call them. And eventually, I, mean, I remember years ago reading some stuff uh, where scientists were saying eventually things like rape and that simply won't happen because there'll be no such thing as rape. There'll be no such thing as paedophilia, basically because they're going to do away with all the laws and rules to do with what they call intergenerational sex. That's all part of it, too. I said it'll all become moot points as, as, as children have sex younger and younger and younger. And it all becomes blurred, and morality, as, as it was, will go out the window, which it pretty well has already. But anyways, a girl assaulted while others uh, watched and f- uh, photographed it all. That's what they do today. They don't go and help. You know, they just photograph it all with a, a mild amusement. And um, it's just another movie to them, you see. It's, they've seen it all before and all the porn that they watch. Uh, so I'll put this link up, and I'll put up the, the written part. There's a video on this one. And you can watch it yourself if you're into watching that kind of stuff. But um, that's how bad it really is. And I went from there, and then I saw another one. It was uh, it was this article here on how to uh, molest children. It's a manual. It's out. I remember reading about it a few years ago. I think Man Boy Love put one out initially, how to seduce the, the, the little boys and stuff. And it might be the same one they're talking about. I don't know. But uh, it says, manual on how to molest children is, is legal, is quite legal, the cops say. Florida police will still want to know who is responsible for the 170-page book, like I'm sure they don't know. Yeah. And this was September the 5th, 2010. A 170-page manual explaining step-by-step how to molest children, which police in Orange County, Florida, believe has been circulating there for months, is not illegal. Investigators have stated that they still want to know where it came from. That's all they want to know. And it says, um, it's pretty amazing stuff, this one says, this uh, 
police officer, I guess. Um, so I've, I've never seen anything like it. When I first saw it, it just, it, it just because, it says that how it detailed, how detailed it was, I guess as we're trying to say. He was, he was amazed because how detailed it was and how to go about, uh, studying your victim and going after them and getting them and so on. And that broke out in ABC News Orlando, Florida too, on the affiliate station WFTV. The manual, which was apparently written by someone who calls himself the mule, you see, a mule, someone who gets is a procurer, you know, as how to of child molestation, even explaining where and how to find potential victims, the station reported. I was more amazed that someone would be as bold as to create an actual 170 page document that would detail how to do it, he said. This is among the many disturbing topics covered in the book is how to convince a victimized child not to tell his or her parents. It's all in there, you see. That's not illegal, by the way. Well, nothing gets us anymore. Nothing ruffles our feathers. It's moral relativity, isn't it? People who are engaged in the exploitation of children are talking about these things and how to avoid law enforcement. Seminole Country Sheriff's Office Sergeant Dan Purcell told TV station WESH TV in Orlando. So, again, it's moral relativity. You know, it's whatever turns you on, do your own thing. You know, you, what you do is the same as mine and blah, blah. It's all relative, you see. So that's what these guys were talking about years ago. Eventually become so blurry and confused to be no such thing as, as that kind of crime. And, of course, that was one big part of the project was intergenerational sex, uh, discussed at high-level world meetings many, many years ago. Now, another article here is to do with the same thing. It's called Screening Out the Empathy, and that was September the 3rd, 2010. It says, The impact of screen culture on the human brain merits the same public debate and funding for research as climate change, says one of the world's most eminent, neuro- again, a neuroscientist. As the online world continues to expand, Oxford University's Baroness Professor Susan Greenfield has warned excessive screen culture may be changing the way our brains are wired. Now, they all know exactly what's happening to our brains. There'll be no me about it. The effect of screen culture on the brain is not dissimilar to symptoms associated with attention deficit disorder, such as a shorter attention span and decline in empathy. See, that's what they want, no empathy for others. If you have no empathy, you see big government can go to town and you don't care about anybody else around you or what's happening to them. You're easily managed. It's a war, you see. Professor Greenfield points out her native England where the founding, where the number of prescriptions for ADHD has trebled in the past decade. The big pharma again gets out in the act as, as uh, Huxley said it would have, it's happened. It's unclear what has driven the rise. It could be that doctors have been more liberal with prescriptions or increased awareness of the condition or its higher prevalence. Whether it's a link between time spent with screens and the condition is also unclear, but she argues this is evidence enough of the need for more research. There should be more money for research into why games are addictive. Well, they know why they're addictive. You see, the military-industrial complex complex made sure they were addictive and pumped them out there to addict the children. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. They knew how to do it. And she says, what mental processes are being tapped into while they're playing these games? There should be development with neuroscientists and software writers on how to deliver experiences and the kind of talents that we think might be in jeopardy. Be back with more after this. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about how your brain is rewired really with the internet and how you lose empathy amongst other things too. Common sense is another one. And this uh, professor is over in Australia. It says to at the annual Flory lecture at the University of Adelaide this evening uh, and she, um, Professor Greenfield argues the, the yuck and the wow scenario of the internet where you live in the short term world where you have immediate reactions to things that flash up in your face and bombard your ears might drive brain connections and brain cell circuitry in a way that shortens the attention span. Well, they know that for a fact because they've done tests after, for years on that. She says, it's wonderful that we might have high IQs, not be risk-averse, have good short-term memories, but in a sense we're turning ourselves into efficient computers, the professor of pharmacology said. Now, a computer is not a human thing, so if we're turning into that, we're certainly losing our humanity. She says, but what do we do uh, that computers don't do is to is be very creative and have insights. We would be very sad if the next generation wasn't given the opportunity to do those things. Like, be creative and so on. She said a, a similar level of sponsorship, effort, and diversity should be investigated in the area to push it into the mainstream, as had been done in climate change research and debate. <laughs> You're right. Society, governments, and teachers really need to start working together on long-term study. Well, we know who they all work for anyway and who gives them their grants for their studies, the guys that are doing it. Then she says, I'm not going to say that's endangering the life of the planet in the way that climate changes, but for sure it would be changing the face of society and the way we live. So she's, she's wrong on pretty, at least one account there to do with the weather, because it's all manipulated now today like everything else is. But there's no mystery, as I say, what the video games do and how they become addictive. They're designed to be addictive. The Japanese were way ahead of everybody else on that, and they worked out grants as well from the Pentagon in the U.S. and other military branches. So there you go. Then you you live with that, and, and you, as I say, this starts really with the raping in a, on a, a football field in a school of a 12-year-old girl with the guys watching there, uh, just taking photographs on their little cell phones because it's just another scene of, it's like, it's like a virtual reality to them. They can't tell the difference. There's no empathy whatsoever. They all laughed about it, I'm sure. And uh, here's where, this is a Google advertisement. A Google advertisement has come out. And it says here, um, Google Sci-Fi Now, Voice Control TV, Eternal Memory, An End to Loneliness. That's something, again, that uh, Aldous Huxley talked about. You see, if they can create loneliness uh, and isolation from other people by altering the culture and society, then the people will be at their mercy for this kind of thing. And it says, Never accuse Google, etc., of not thinking big during CEO Eric Schmidt's IFA keynote in Berlin on Tuesday. He talked about the, the following stuff. 
It says, um, they showed the, 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 the new, basically a replicator, like Star Trek's replicator, and, which is a voice translator for different languages. It uses the phone to facilitate a two-way conversation between people speaking in different languages. And Google TV product manager uh, Brittany Bonnet revealed that the forthcoming TV software will offer input via iPhone and Android, possibly leading to voice control on your TV, she said. Now, isn't that part that really gets me? I mean, that's kind of old stuff in a sense, because the top agencies have been using this for years. But uh, she said that foot soldiers had shown delegates two historic things. These were things that were the stuff of science fiction a few years ago, and now they're very real. But Schmidt wasn't done with the big think. Here are some more futuristic forecasts he gave. We're about to see a new age of augmented humanity, when computers will make it possible for us to do what we really want to do. Well, really, do you design them for yourselves, or do programmers do it all for you? And who decides what programs will get put out there? It says, the internet has replaced the economics of scarcity. Listen to this. Replaced the economics of scarcity with the economics of ubiquity. Any business that is built on the, the controlling the flow of information is having difficulty. A near-term future in which you don't forget anything because the computer remembers you're never lost. In other words, you don't need your own brain cells for it, you see. What happens if you don't use them, your brain cells? It's just like a muscle in a sense. You know what happens. It says, we can suggest uh, what you should do next, what you, what, what you should care about. We can suggest what you should do next, right, with yourself. That's Google. They should, should, they'll suggest to you what you should care about. That, that's quite a power, right? What you should care about. Imagine we know where you are. We know what you like. Imagine that, eh? And, and that's what they're pushing for. And people are going to go, they'll have no problem selling this gear, this, all this stuff. The folk can't get enough of it. It really is highly addictive, I guess. So, you know, your car should be able to drive itself. After all, your car knows where, it's, where it is, knows where its other cars are, and where it should be going. A near-term future in which you don't forget anything because your computer remembers, and you're never lost. Not only are you never lonely, you're never bored. Oh, see, we'll suggest what you should be watching because we know what you care about. So there you go. Suggest what you should do next, what you care about. Imagine we know where you are. We know what you like. There you go. There's Sunstein and his group and all the other neuroscientists up there with their nudges. They'll nudge you along the right direction to be a nice, contented, Borg zombie. You see? All that, it's all planned this way. All of it was planned before you even got your first PC. All of it. For a brave new world scenario. What do you think a new world order is? It's not just a change in politics. It's a complete change they've been working on for a century in society and humanity itself. That's what it's about. And most folk can't catch on. And as we go through all this stuff, as I say, there's a depression on financial, supposedly it's going to last forever. And we have to get taught austerity and bare minimalistic medical care, depending, mind you, on your social status for your community, because you're all being communitarian projects. 
And I really mean that. That's how it's to be dished out piecemeal. But they're also using the high-tech stuff. It's amazing how we can be broken and also put out, buy new toys for the, for the military, for the police all the time. Have you ever noticed that? I've noticed that my whole life long. That Britain, for instance, could be as, as broke as could be, and suddenly up comes the money for a war somewhere, and away they'd go. Or some, some, they want 10 new types of tanks, or 10 new types of new missiles, and blah, blah, blah. And they get what they want. It's quite staggering, isn't it? Uh, well, here they go with the drones and so on. We have them being used. We know this for a fact. Uh, in Britain, they've used them for a while. They use them in Canada too, by the way. They fly across the Canadian border from the States. They get launched in some of the lakes there. I've seen the photographs. And here's Britain, though. A drone makes its first UK arrest as police catch a car thief hiding under bushes. And this is the 12th of February, 2010. Nicknamed the Flying Saucepan and looking like an unlikely weapon in the war against crime. But yesterday emerged that a suspected car thief had become the first person to be arrested in Britain thanks to the help of this miniature remote-controlled helicopter. The air robot or drone was deployed by Merseyside police after officers lost the alleged offender who'd escaped on foot in thick fog. It says using devices on board camera and thermal imaging technology. So it's heat-seeking as well. See your body heat. The operator was able to pick up on the suspect though his body heat through his body heat and direct foot patrols to his location. It led the officers to a 16-year-old youth who was hiding in bushes alongside the uh, Leeds-Liverpool Canal in Merseyside. The drone, which measures three foot between the tips of its four carbon fiber rotor blades, uses unmanned aerial vehicle technology originally designed for military reconnaissance. Yes, sure, it was originally designed for them. But you can understand, too, the whole of future militarization and, and of the world is to look at all of you. Once the wars and the fighting's over, it's a war on the public. That's what it's designed for, to watch all of you. The battery-powered device can have a range of cameras attached to its main body, including the CCTV surveillance or thermal imaging cameras. It's designed to hover almost silently above crime scenes and send live footage to officers on the ground, but the unit can also perch and stare from a solid platform, allowing the operator to capture hours of footage from a hidden vantage point. You can imagine these things outside your window and all the rest of it. You know, can you really... Orwell even had that at the beginning of the black and white movie that they made, um, the British one, where you see the helicopter coming up and hovering outside his window as he's shaving and watching him. They knew all that time ago where they were going with all this stuff. What would you do, though, seriously, if you found found one outside your bedroom window just staring at you? What are you, what are you going to do? You totally think about that, won't you? Because they will, and have a good laugh, and all the rest of it. This is the £40,000 aerial surveillance drone, which is near silent and can operate video, night vision, infrared or still cameras, are used by Merseyside police. And um, this drone, which is near silent, um, uh, it uses night vision too, etc., uh, caught its first criminal in Merseyside. So then they've gone on and on about it, but how wonderful it is, and yada, yada, yada. And of course they want more. It says this is the first time an arrest has been directly linked to the use of the air robot. This didn't happen around... Then they go into the, the big manhunt to get this guy who stole a car, a 16-year-old used stole a car. So, 
hazing technology and so on. Can, they can also put weaponry on this darn thing if they want to. And I'm sure they have the advanced weaponry already ready to, to put on it once we're, once we adapt to it quickly enough. We, we adapt very quickly and then we think, oh well, you know, it's only shooting uh, spray in your eyes or it's only going to taser you and, and next thing you know it's going to fry you with some kind of beam. Well, that's all to come in the future in this happy trek towards a happy living in the high-tech society, the wonderful modern utopia, as you well know. And cashless society is all a big part of it. Bertrand Russell talks about a time would come where government would work with the private sector, the bankers in other words, but they'd give credits to everybody in the world, and you'd be all given them, say, on a Monday morning, uh, same amount, doesn't matter what job you did, uh, on a certain level. Of course, there'd be something different for the elite. And he said you couldn't save it up. You'd have to use it all, or it starts at the same amount every Monday anyway. Uh, you'd have to pay your rents from that because there would be no private property in this lovely utopia. And you, your food and so on uh, will all be... F- basically electronic. He called them a credit system. And it'll be used for social approval and disapproval if you are politically incorrect or you buck the system. They withhold your credits and punish you for a set, a set amount of time. Everything you see is to be used for punishment when required. As you're all playing with your internet and your computer and you're in the cloud, you better think about that because the cloud is going to be used for it too. That's why they designed it. Everything will be cashless. This article says, is from Ireland, Minister Ahern uses a bank robbery as excuse to introduce a cashless society. And it's from Wise Up Journal. And it says, anyone who is aware that certain laws Dermot Ahern has introduced since becoming Irish Justice Minister will not be surprised at the next target or how he tries to hide these constantly tyrannical acts behind the cloak of protecting victims of terrible crimes. It's a great thing, isn't it? It's like making all these brain chips too And I always show you one paraplegic they've been working on It's not for paraplegics, folks As it scratches the surface a little of, uh, of his reasons given to justify each of these acts You'll find the true purpose and meaning behind them The latest crusade by Ahern Is that in order to stop bank raids and tiger raids in Ireland We must become a cashless society There's nothing new in this only Last December there were articles about National Irish moving to cashless banking and talking about the need for Ireland to become a cashless society. Well, way back in September 2003, the Irish government held a crime prevention and financial institutions presentation in a joint committee sitting in which John Hickey, then general manager of retail banking at AIB, outlined his bank's desire for a cashless society under the guise of stopping bank raids. John Hickey says there is potential to improve. Bank rates will become less attractive or prevalent when the amounts of cash in circulation are dramatically reduced. This can be achieved through the rapid deployment of the national payment strategy. National payment strategy. And we encourage all the agents of the state, all the agents of the state, this is a private bank, Tom, we encourage all the agents of the state to work with the financial institutions, public-private, in pursuit of this objective. It needs to be expedited if we are to advance towards the ultimate goal of a cashless society, which is, of course, the goal. The existence of and the recent dramatic increases in stamp duty on plastic cards will retard the move towards cash reduction and migration to electronic payments, 
Ireland is the only country in Europe to levy such a tax, and it is at variance with our shared objective to encourage electronic payments. In conclusion, we have made considerable progress in improving security and reducing bank raids. We will continue to make significant investment in security arrangements. Going forward, we need to accelerate migration from cash to electronic transactions. AIB, as a bank, will fully play its part in this, but it needs more support from government. As was said before, this is nothing new. With the banks and their boys and governments wanting a cashless society, the difference this time is Dermot Arherne is now on the case and giving his past history and getting some of the most tyrannical laws this nation has ever seen on the law books since 1921. You have to take everything he says very seriously. He'll most likely get his department to think up some new fascist law or set of laws to force Irish people to come to give up using cash and get everyone onto some electronic form of payment or just make laws that make it too expensive to use cash, as he has suggests in the Below Irish Times article by introducing high ATM charges. <clears throat> so they're going to do that, you see. If you start taking out cash, they'll just charge you more and more and more. We're just animals, you see, and they train us Pavlovian style. Punishment reward. You get a little reward if you, you're goody two-shoes and you go the way they, they, they nudge you. I'll use Sunstein's word, nudging you. Um, if you don't like that nudge and you want to go the other way, they'll punish you. They already do it with grocery stores, as I say. If you don't have the grocery store personal card, which is just really an American Express or something like that, with their logo on it, uh, they charge you extra. You know, Or you get a few pennies discount if you get the card. So that's where it's all to go, and, and Ireland is going to help kick it all off. They're already try- they've already tried it in Canada, uh, and in one or two cities in Canada is, uh, over the last few years as experiments, and they have let out the details. People actually like cash, it turned out to be. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, there's trouble, there's trouble all over the world as people lose um, the old systems they had, the old ways that they had. And it happens across the whole planet as evening happened in Israel because people don't know it that most, most of Israel goes by the Talmud, which is a, a, a whole massive uh, set of volumes really on laws, laws and laws and how to do everything pretty well. But there's a, a bit of a, an argument going on in Israel right now about a book that came out there. And I'll put this link up to it, cuttingthroughmates.com in the end of the show. But it's about um, it's basically saying from the Talmud on how to kill Gentiles and when to kill them, uh, including babies. And that is a fact. It's old stuff. It's But there are really hardliners in Israel. Uh, real hard fanatics who would end even with the military it was shown on television who would end with the military giving them pamphlets and telling the soldiers to kill everybody because they were they were I think they were Amalekites they called them something they should have killed off thousands of years ago they said and it's amazing that people still go with that today in this day and age where we think we're so enlightened um, that this stuff is taught but it says uh, this particular book um, is called the Torah Hamalech 
or the King's Torah, a commotion immediately ensued after this was, um, uh, this, this guy tried to get in the bookstore because even the security forces in Israel are watching to see who buys it. But on this site I'll put up, you'll see the little uh, video, you can, you can punch it in, where uh, you'll see some rabbis discussing it in front of a crowd and actually trying to reaffirm why they actually believed in everything in it. And they hoped that would be the last argument about so they still stick to this. And and um, it says that they could actually, um, non-Jews are uncompassionate by nature and should be killed in order to curb their evil inclinations. Um, if we kill a Gentile who has violated one of the seven commandments, you hear him saying this, that's, that's the Noahide laws, uh, there is nothing wrong with the murder, Shapiro insisted, citing Jewish law as a source. At least a very selective interpretation of it, he declared. There is justification for killing babies if it is clear that they will grow up to harm us. And in such a situation, they may be harmed deliberately and not only during combat with adults. This is in January, Shapiro was briefly detained by the police, while two leading rabbis who endorsed the book, Dov Lior and Yaakov Yosef, were summoned to interrogations by the Shabak. That's the Israeli police. However, the rabbis refused to appear at the interrogations, essentially thumbing their noses at the state and its laws, and the government did nothing. Hard to believe that that exists today, but you know, Morgan Toller, Henry Morgan Toller was uh, the guy who got abortions, started in Canada with a big campaign. At first he was getting arrested for doing illegal abortions, and then he became the hero of the feminist movement, of course. And now he's got clinics all over the world under the United Nations. But he said on the CBC, and I was wondering at the time what he was talking about, he said, he said he was doing a duty to God. He said that Adolf Hitler was an unwanted child, and if he had been aborted while, while in the womb, he says, then that would have saved so much misery for the people. He meant the Jewish people, I think, afterwards. He was really a rabbinical Believer in the Talmud, Mr. Morgan Toller, wasn't to help women at all. It's hard to imagine the people that really believe in this stuff today. But then so do military leaders as well across the planet, killing off the second generation, the up-and-coming future soldiers who might fight against them. Same idea. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. 